It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. We have a lot to get into. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about NIL. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and how the recruits have been doing. Uh, a little bit of golf, I think we're going to get into. A, uh, a high-profile uh, case of DUI that we're going to discuss with a, probably a, pre- a, a predictable culprit, um, I would have to say. Uh, one of our favorite off-season events and uh, talking some uh, All-American, uh, you know, preview stuff. So we got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things to get into. The first thing that I want to say, though, uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about last week that we really should have um, is, uh, you know, just kind of memorializing and, and, and pointing out the impact that a guy like Kyle Brown had, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, passed away at the age of 42, ESPN director, former Ohio State baseball pitcher. And, you know, one of the things that, has really struck me about that story is all of the comments and the memories and things like that, that people um, had of this guy and the impact that he made on the staff at ESPN. Um, everybody just uniformly saying how of an upbeat, friendly, fun guy this was. Um, so, you know, really our condolences go out to uh, his family. Um, you know, it's, it, it is so sad that the guy uh, passed away so young and, um, you know, he will definitely be missed. And, and I know that he made a big impact in the time that he did have. So we're sad to uh, hear of his passing. And, and, you know, we're sorry that we weren't able to um, address that last week. But, um, you know, RIP Kyle Brown, 42. Yeah, we're, uh, we're recording this on Father's Day. So uh, I'm sure it's yes. a very somber day for the Brown family. So we're thinking of them today. And we would ask all of the uh, listeners to do the same. Um, so he... Uh, one of the great, you know, we're we're slowly starting to see more uh, high profile. I think Ohio State athletes transition into the uh, sports media space. You know, we mm-hmm. were lauding Josh Perry a few weeks ago on the Dubcast, and uh, I think part of that foundation is laid, you know, by people like Kyle Brown that had made it up to you know the executive director level of. Uh, ESPN or director level rather of uh, ESPN leadership. So um, rest in peace to Kyle Brown. And, uh, you know, we're thinking of uh, your family today as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, another thing that we want to talk about, so we'll kind of shift into more of the sports uh, world here in, in terms of like, you know, off season content and all that. Um, so one of the things that we were going to into was Gene Smith. There is uh, a lot of talk, I think, about how people around the program at Ohio state in general were feeling about the impact of NIL, um, the amount of time that it takes, the amount of money involved, all that kind of stuff. However, uh, Gene sat down, uh, with, uh, real pod Wednesdays, right. Our, 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 uh, our brothers in arms there in the podcasting world on 11 warriors. And I think of them as our evil twin. They're a little right. bit more professional. They're more cleaned up than us, but you know, we, we have a little bit more fun here on the Dubcast. That's right. Um, and he sat down with them and had a great interview. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is the stuff that he talked about uh, with regards to NIL. Um, feels a lot better, I think, where Ohio State is right now. Now, obviously, you know, uh, 11 Warriors has that um, kind of connection there via the 1870 Society. But I, I do think it's important for people to understand that, like, this is a big process, right? And it's one of those things that they're really just trying to feel, feel out as they go because there isn't a whole lot of guidance. There really isn't a whole lot of, you know, there aren't a lot, there isn't legislation, there aren't guardrails around this thing. So it's really just trying to figure out what this looks like, not just now, but in the next six months to a year to five years to 10 years. Um, the other thing that he emphasized that Smith emphasized was the, the need for that kind of legislation. And, I don't know any, he, Gene Smith said that he wants something to happen federally. I don't know how big of a priority that is on the federal level. Um, But I think that's ultimately where it's going to have to go because I don't, given the complete lack of guidance from the NCAA and the fact that every state seems to be kind of doing their own thing. um, I I guess that's where they have to eventually, you know, hope this leads. I just don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah, I keep referring to this as a Wild West moment in college football uh, because, you know, they, it, the Wild West thrived because, you know, you had one sheriff enforcing how many hundreds of 
thousands of acres of desert land like the law didn't extend far enough and it's kind of the same thing with nil in this case uh i don't imagine that the people that profited off the old west uh were the ones that were sitting still as ohio state did in the early going yeah Uh, and with that we kind of fell into this environment where in the same you know vein of thinking like you know, you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. If you have three NIL collectives as opposed to one one central authority that the fans can actually look at as these are, you know, this is who we should be supporting, it's kind of a conflicting amount of messaging in terms of what's actually going to be the most effective way for fans to fiscally support their favorite team. So it's right. I, sitting still I don't think was the best move given that that was never what any of the SEC teams were going to do. What I will say is fortunate is Michigan seemed to follow the lead of Ohio State in terms of remaining passive and and taking a wait-and-see approach to how the situation would evolve from a legislative standpoint. I think that set the tone for the rest of the conference, Um, so with those two high profile teams behaving that way, that's not what we saw in the sec. And we haven't really seen that kind of cannibalism that has existed with, you know, teams like Texas A&M very transparently poaching recruits from other high profile teams, such as LSU, sometimes within 24 hours of intent that was once softer verbalized, just getting flipped on a dime quite literally that's mostly stayed in the sec and hasn't impacted any of the other teams in college football. So I think Ohio state does deserve credit for that, but you have to wonder with how much longer this chasm exists with getting to the point where we have framework in place where this moment of chaos ends when is that craziness that the SEC teams are already thriving on going to start impacting Ohio State on a national level? Do you want to invite the potential to fall behind those teams because of the relative inaction that's been here in the beginning? That's the greatest thing that concerns me for Ohio State and NIL right now. Do you think that's something – I mean, I, I think some people might look at that because I, I agree with that. I think that's an excellent point because it is going to permeate to all levels of college sports, but especially college football first, right, because that's where the most money is. But I think maybe some Ohio State fans or maybe even Ohio State administratively themselves thought, well, this is the Big Ten, so we're kind of like immune to some of this. But it's not the Big Ten. It's everybody, right? Like, it's all conferences. It's all schools that are going to drive this. So, like, if you're Ohio State, your chief competition, right, I mean, aside from Michigan, obviously, the Big Ten, but your chief competition is Alabama, right, and Clemson and Georgia and all these other teams. You you are competing when you're creating, like, an NIL culture and an atmosphere and all that, you know, an ecosystem, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. You need to have things in place that allow you to be competitive with them. You don't care really so much about what Purdue's doing. You care more about what Georgia is doing or Oklahoma or any of these other teams because if you're not competitive with them, then the kind of recruits that you're used to getting, that's going to be a lot harder to attain. Now, I do think that Ohio State is positioned in a lot of ways to offer things that other schools can't. And I know that, you know, Gene Smith is talking about like how, you know, they haven't reached the point where they can like pay players, for example, because that's against NCAA rules. Or he does he even said in the interview, he's not even sure what any potential legislation might look like in terms of governing this. But what I'm saying is that Ohio State is an institution, as large as they are, as impactful as they are in so many different ways, the resources that they have that they can bring to bear, they are able to be more flexible than a place that doesn't have those kind of resources. And one of the examples that I'm talking about here, this is from uh, Christy Dosh on uh, Twitter, who said, um, Ohio State Athletics partnered with its law school so student athletes can get their contracts renewed. So in other words, you know, if the, assuming this is the case and this is how it works, they're able to like really, the school is able to make a concrete investment in the players, even if it's not like direct financial support, 
in terms of like cash payments, they can at least say, hey, if you've got something with a car dealership or if you've got something with a restaurant or something, let's let's review this and see what this looks like. And they almost function as their you know support system in that way. That's that's something tangible that Ohio State can offer. They need to make sure that they're continuing to offer that kind of stuff and be creative with it, because that's what I think is going to allow them to compete in this kind of wild west world. Like what, what can you put out there? You know, if you're trying to get somebody to come to Ohio state, what are you going to put on your resume? What are you going to put on, you know, your, your CV that says, this is all the services that we can offer. Um, and I think that's a great start. I think it's really, we could have, we could have offered Rick Riker to the whole world and Quinn Ewers <laughs> had to come in and poison the well. It, well it, that that's, I think it, it actually, I, you know, I'm doing a bit kind of with Quinn Ewers, but I think that's actually a really important thing to consider here in terms of how Ohio state is approaching this yeah. because the first exposure they had to NIL was the number one recruit comes in and comes in very transparently under the the pretense of I can't get paid in Texas. Yeah. So I'm going to come get paid in Ohio because right. the rules say I can. Right. And, and he then they gets paid for a back. year and then dips. Right. Yeah. So when you have that bad taste in your mouth at the start, I think that's going to kind of set the tone for how you want to approach it from a wait and see thing. I wonder if fans that are upset with how slowly – like a, a national powerhouse like Ohio State has built up its NIL infrastructure, fans that are frustrated with that, I would hope that they would remember that Quinn Ewers really did come in and say, listen, I got all this kombucha money. I, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, well, what are we doing here, Mr. Day? You're going to put me in the starting gig or what's going on? Come That's on, right. Where's the, it where it, I need more ice tea money. Where is this coming from? Get me, you know, he, he bought all the chocolate milk at marketplace with all that kombucha money. He has too many right. beverages. Like it, right. it, it's, it, he, he came in and cleaned out Columbus. So they, that happened and they said, listen, we can't have another Quinn Ewers. Let's make sure that we don't get bitten by, you know, these because they're obviously you're a national powerhouse. You're going to be trying to get as many high profile recruits as possible. You just don't want to in a moment when the players have more leverage than ever, um, you know, get taken advantage of by uh, the sure. people involved that are able to do so. So I can understand with that in mind, why they approached it, how they did. Well, and to a certain extent, I mean, I understand people being salty at Quinn Ewers, but I also think that like, to a certain extent, it's, you know, hate the game, not the player. You know what I mean? Like it's, this is, this is a guy taking advantage of exactly what he was given. And I don't, as, as irritating as that can be to a certain level, I respect it. Like it's not, you got to get yours, right? Like, I don't know. It, it I'm going to tell you, like the day after he he said he was coming to Ohio State, I saw children in Columbus when I was still living in town. I saw children in Columbus that had already copied his haircut. So <laughs> he he had already won the hearts of so many in Columbus. And to mm-hmm. just... To just throw that away for for nil money is is just you. What are, it, it 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 hurts. It it, it hurts. So it hurts. I I can understand. It's not a don't hate the player, hate the game. First of all, I do agree with you, right? Like if it prevents that, and then you have less people kind of taking advantage of the system and going, all right, you know, I'm here because I want to be here, as opposed to I'm here because I can maximize my earning potential over the course of a year. First of all, I don't hate on anybody who says that latter thing. But obviously, as a program, you want more of the former, right? So I think you're starting to see it even out a little bit. I I do think that some of the craziness that people were uh, kind of freaking out about um, when it came to, um, you know, the beginning of it, when all this kind of started and and people like, oh, everybody's going to get $5 million. You're going to bankrupt athletic departments. That's not going to happen. I don't foresee that. Um, But I do think that it still is really important to make sure that you're getting the right guys in place, guys who are like all about it, recruiting other dudes. Um, And to that point, actually, that's a good segue because, you know, we had the elite 11, right. Camp here. And that's, that's always a big, um, you know, that's a pretty big event in the off season for, you know, the highest profile college football recruits. Aaron Nolan obviously is a guy who I think I'm, I'm real high on this guy, like super, super high on this guy. I, my biggest thing with quarterback recruits, 
um, coming out of high school is accuracy. That is like, again, I'm not some expert on all of this. I don't know how to, you know, determine if somebody has better mechanics at the five-star level than some other five-star. But I do know that if a guy is going to be super accurate, he's only going to get better as he goes on. And if he starts from a base where he's already really good, like Aaron Noland, um, I think that says some really good things about, you know, his ability to kind of replicate what we saw out of guys like Justin Fields and CJ Stroud. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. If you go on the website, you can see some of the highlights from Aaron Nolan uh, at the Elite 11 uh, camp at the finals, and he was just fantastic. I think he did an awesome job. Um, also really impressive, Jeremiah Smith. I mean, the dude, <laughs> he's the number one uh, wide receiver in the country for a reason. And again, if you look at some of this stuff that he's able to do, it's just, I don't know, man, like there is no drop off. And, that, and that's insane to say when you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. on your team. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what those two guys can bring to bear right now. Yeah, no, I mean, the rich get richer, right? It's, yeah. uh, it, yeah, it, it's just the reality we got to acknowledge with the receiving room at this point. Um, I'll now that Brian Hartline is, is evolving into more of a, you know, well-rounded offensive role. I'll be curious to see if he remains as sharp on nailing, you know, these, I mean, to get the basically number one overall recruit at the position year over year as he has, is just, I'm really not sure if we've seen a consistent run like that at pretty much any other school just in terms of ripping it off for what feels like almost a half decade in terms of just consistent classes at this point mm-hmm. uh, so it i i, I don't i almost kind of don't like it because it it becomes the expectation at a certain point that you're gonna get the jeremiah smith every time just why it's been funny to see you know some of the teasing in terms of like oh still taking visits elsewhere and whatnot even though there's never there's never really been a doubt, and I don't think Hartline is himself is afraid either of anything, you know, flipping or whatnot. But I, uh, sure. it, it, I, I, I just wonder now that he's got to be more cognizant of what's going on, recruiting wise, and with the team than just specifically the receivers. Is this trend still going to carry over as long as he remains a coordinator at Ohio State? Or at what point are we going to have to get realistic again about not getting the number one guy <laughs> every single year class every year? Right. I think, but for now, Jeremiah Smith, come on down. Yeah, right. And and I think part of it is the guys that you have in that room, and it's not necessarily the fact that you've got like the best wide receivers. That you get guys who are a in it to win it, and they really want to be at Ohio State. But B, and probably maybe just as important, they want to sell Ohio State to other guys, right? When you have people who can come in and say, this is the culture that we have, and then this is you know what everybody really likes about being here and all that kind of thing. If you have guys that are really invested in the culture and who are going on Twitter, like some of these guys are doing, right? And saying, you know, I'm 100% Buckeye, all that stuff. That that does mean stuff. Or that does mean something, I think, to other um, to other recruits. They see that and they recognize that. And again, it doesn't have to be the number one wide receiver recruit every year, but it does have to be guys who are A, really elite, like really, really good, and then B, are telling other people this is the place that they want to be and why they want to be there. Um, Nolan and Smith, I mean, both of these guys have been really, really great, I think, for helping Ohio State get that message out. And, you know, just having that positive attitude towards it is, is a big deal. It's a huge deal because it's not – when you look at some of these other schools, I mean, I, you know, I even think about Texas A&M or even Oklahoma State in the past decade. It feels almost mercenary in a lot of ways. Right. Or even Alabama. I'm not saying guys don't like playing for any of these schools, but it almost well, feels A&M like A&M is a military academy. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Legitimate military academy, Texas A&M. Um, <laughs> just like the Citadel. Uh, so, but my point is, is that it, if you can, this is another one of those things where I'm talking about, can Ohio State show value? Can they show something concrete that other places don't have? And if you've got elite talent saying, yeah, I'm here because I think I can get in the NFL. And yes, they've been you know very productive. And yes, they win a lot. But also, I just really like this place. 
that I think has an impact on recruits as much as anything else. And you really want guys who are invested in the program. And I think, you know, like you're saying, you know, Brian Hartline has done a really great job at fostering that. And, you know, if he's able to continue to do that in his current role, then that's awesome. On the other hand, if it does take a step back, then that's something that, you know, they're going to have to maybe worry about or think about how they continue to foster it. Yeah, I try not to read too much into anybody's social media, but if you look at how the Ohio State recruits conduct themselves, it, uh, it after they've you know committed, you can tell that they very much start rolling out the process of of welcoming them into the brotherhood right, right away, just based on the way that they interact and publicly and, too. It's not uh, like conduct it, themselves on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, and it's it's public, right? It's it's not it's not so much you know because like I said, I think this happens probably in every program. I'm sure guys love playing you know wherever they end up re- getting recruited to, but it's, it's the fact that this is part of their marketing, right? That they're saying this is something right. that people go to Ohio State for. Check it out, everybody. Like that that is something that I don't see in the same way at other places. Again, yes, they do it, but and yes, Ohio State has a, a massive you know online media presence that they're able to kind of leverage. But um, it just feels like something that's really smart for them to continue to foster. And, you know, hopefully this this continues. The culture that they've built, what Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and everybody else there has been able to do, I think that's, that's huge. I will also say that the reason why I think it's a real thing and not just like, oh, well, Ohio State's doing it, everybody's doing it, because you can see it more at certain positional groups, I think, than others. You can definitely tell the rapport that the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and all them have versus maybe some other positional, you know, groups where maybe that emphasis isn't as strong or maybe that, you know, you know, desire to hit the social media, all that kind of stuff is as strong. So my point is, is that whatever they're doing with the wide receivers and the quarterbacks to generate a really great uh, camaraderie and a really solid, you know, positional room, I think I think they're doing a really great job. I was going to say it's impressive that, you know, even though you didn't highlight the the offensive linemen, the they seem to have taken that that Twitter feud that the Armstrong brothers were in with uh their teammate that had committed to Michigan right. and the Armstrong brothers have since repurposed that Twitter energy into positive good vibes for the Ohio State brand. So exactly. they they were very quick on that to say, "Hey, listen, you, you can beat them on the field for four years when you get here. For now, when you're on social media, just good vibes only. That's you right. Know, more booms, less less banter for now. And the boom thing even. I mean, it's so stupid and simple, but it's it's a great – like, I don't know who else does that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And it's, it's super simple. It's just a little thing. But everybody getting involved, all the recruits, all the players just putting out boom, hashtag boom. It, again, it's dumb, but it, it, it creates this – feeling of camaraderie, this feeling of togetherness. And whether that's true or not is besides the point. It's the fact that it's something that you can add as part of your your pitch. And they do such a great job at it. And that's something that I think, you know, Ryan Day and company have just, uh, you know, been really, really good at uh, as they bring in these recruiting classes. Now, that, that that's not to say that's the only way to recruit. Obviously, other schools are doing a great job. But what Ohio State's doing now, I think, is something that they should really lean in. And, and, and if you want to continue getting all those high-profile wide receivers, I think this is the way to do it. Um, so I'm excited about that. Obviously, I really like the performances that you saw at the Elite 11. Um, and I'm excited for the future, man. Like This, this coming season, I think, is, is being seen as a little bit of a rebuild. But Ohio State's got a lot going on that I think people can um, really find interesting and see the growth of the program in the next you know. 12 months. So I, I, I think that'll be a lot of uh, fun and, and really cool to pay attention to. Um, I don't know. We'll see how Ryan day does developing quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, it's a coin flip really like Aaron um, Oland. That's right. How'd the last four star do that came through here? He was, where'd fine. he go? I don't know. He's all right. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and get to our favorite part of the program here in a second. Before we do, we remind you that you can uh, check out the dry goods store. One of the sponsors of 11 warriors, uh, and, of course, he loved Dubcast, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. It's the summer. Look super fresh and awesome with our super fresh and awesome shirts. Uh, let's go ahead and get and ask us anything. Uh, you can. I want to remind you that you can ask us literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast 
at 11warriors.com. And when I say anything, it's the offseason. So I mean very, very seriously anything. So let's get into it. Uh, this is from Kevin. Um, so guys, I brush, floss, and use mouthwash daily. What are your oral care behaviors? <laughs> That's funny. Good, good, good thing the dubcast hasn't gone on video yet. No, I'm uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you you know you brush your teeth and uh, you don't you don't, do I, you floss as your as your doctor recommends. I I probably should more because I, I the other the other thing too is I have I still have my lower like retainer like literally put like on, on the back, back of your teeth. teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was that was like one of the ways me and my my roommate like bonded, like when we because uh, we both realized we still had it, like it just randomly talking to each other like freshman year. So <laughs> we're like, we're the only people we've ever met that still have this weird piece of metal below our base. So I should I should floss with them more. But, you know, electric toothbrush and. uh yeah. Okay. Know, it's, uh, pretty cool. You know, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm fastidious about my teeth. Uh, you know, I brush my teeth, obviously. I like to floss because, you know, it feels good. Just get all that gunk out and make it feel nice and clean. I will tell you, though, I have never in my life had a cavity. And, you know, I'm a 38 year old man. So I feel pretty good about that. I don't know how long that streak will continue, but, um, you know, it, I, t- I try to set a good example for my son. And, and the, the other funny thing is there's like little baby toothbrushes that we try to use. So we try to like, you know, like, Hey kid, this is how we're supposed to do it. And then he just absolutely hates it, but he has all his chompers too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's something where I feel like uh, I um, have been doing pretty well with it, but I will say that, you know, in my early 20s, when I was kind of first looking at my own, I was not doing a super great job of keeping up with all those, you know, regular doctor's appointments you're supposed to do. And I think I went something like six years without actually going to the dentist. So I don't recommend that. Oh, my. I know. It was oh, bad. Wow. It was a bad okay. move on my part. And, you know, yeah. finally, I was like, this is stupid. I got to go to the freaking dentist. That's extremely cool. impressive that you haven't had a cavity then. In no case. cavities. My, my teeth were fine because I brushed the hell out of my teeth, man. Like, I, I really am very, like, you know, interested in that or fastidious. So Got to get an electric legit. brush. Yeah, it's legit. Uh, this is also a bonus from Kevin. Uh, would the Reds please trade the Yankees for uh, Glavier Torres? We will take a bucket of baseballs. New, please. Um, Chris, Chris Lauterbach is our resident um, Yankees fan at 11 Warriors. And I know that's they're, they're kind of been up and down. I'm excited. You know, the Reds, not a not a great team or maybe even a good team this season, but I've been pretty happy with how they've been playing in general. Um, you know, Joey's still doing kind of the rehab thing, but I don't know, man. They're they're out there. They're they're a couple games above 500. Like it, it's hard for me to to be too upset about how they've been playing this year. So you know what I. I don't think we want to part with baseball right now. I think they're just going to keep everything exactly the way it is, and, and they can they can do what they're doing. So I'm cool with it. Plus, you know, you've got Ellie out there doing his thing. Um, you know, he's not – I don't think he's going to be an all-star necessarily, but he's still batting the high 200s and getting critical hits and hit that one, like, 500-foot bomb in his, like, second game. So – I'm pretty cool with how the Reds are feeling. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I know the first legal sports bet in the state of Ohio was Pete Rose, future <laughs> Red, picking the Reds to win the World Series. Right. Is that looking good? No, it's not looking good. But no. it is. No, but it is hilarious that he did that. Um, and you know, the guy never bet against the Reds, so you know, it's as he says. Anyway. Um, all right, so we got some questions here. This is from Joshua, who says, if you were to host the biggest, baddest summer cookout that could draw any guests you wanted, who would be on the VIP list? So you're having a big honking summer barbecue. Who are you inviting? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I don't discriminate. Anybody's welcome within reason. I but mean, you want a you party. Know, you got to behave you bring yourself. in to make sure there's a party? Oh, okay. All right. You're well, Miami, definite, like definitely Miami everybody at 11 voices. Warriors. Every single person at 11 Warriors on the masthead okay. can come. That's absolutely the first thing. Um, I don't know. 
I, I'd, I'd get the if I mean if this is in Columbus, I want the whole Ohio State football team there too. That's pretty good. Um, what what else? Yeah, you got to think location. You got to if you're in a specific spot, you definitely want somebody who's going to like create a great block party. Well, I, I'm trying to keep this, you know, right for the Ohio State audience. You know, I, I I'm in Miami. There's a there's a party outside right now that I don't even see. You know, so I mean, there's there's always something going on. But if this is a cookout. You know, I'm keeping this thinking about Columbus. You know, I'm trying to picture this on campus. I, I, I know you get you you get like one football player at your your party where you're in Ohio State. You know, you could just slowly tell, hey, you know, we got a football. Oh, of course, here. yeah. Then you know, you start trickling that. in. Of so you get the whole team there. You'll you'll have a you'll have a great time. I just need. I would probably do it on the quad if I had any place I could choose. And yeah, just set up a bunch of grills, and uh, we'll we'll get all the uh, I don't know what's a good my you know my parents lived in uh, Columbus for like two years and they never found a consistent butcher to go to so I don't know if yeah you I know Andy our we miss Andy dearly on the show so maybe he can supply all the meats for this uh, for this shindig Zinks Zinks down in uh, Franklin Ohio I'm going to recommend them they they know what they're doing. Um, you know what? If I'm going to have a big honking barbecue, I need music. I want somebody. I want like a funky, like amazing, like the coup maybe. They, that's a pretty awesome, like, you know, like funky rap group. Uh, George Clinton, Funkadelic, get them over. Like I, I want I want some insane like block party music and musicians out there, you know, just like ripping it up. That That's really what I want. That's my goal. So like somebody that can bring in everybody, have a great time. That's going to be who, who's going to be on my VIP list. And not like, you know, I don't want like a crazy rock band. I just want a, a, a good time. Like somebody who's going to be able to provide a good time for a large group of people. That's really what I'm going for. That kind of music. I, think I would get music. Columbus legend RJD2 too. Oh my DJ God. RJD2 would be incredible. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Architect of back. the Mad Men theme song. Did he do the Mad Men theme song? Yes, he I did. did not know that. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, that, that, you know, somebody that can just get the party going. I think that would be sick. Um, I'm going to go with George Clinton. <laughs> the guy still uh, somehow hey, alive. He's funky so. too. Yeah, he's great. Um, also from Joshua, uh, with the current college football world in such a place where your roster is never fully secure, what vacation should Ryan Day take the team on to help kids the kid keep the kids happy? A la Ooh. Jim Harbaugh sending his guys out. I, I was gonna Where'd say go? the the inverse Harbaugh. That's that's a good question. Right. Miami's pretty great. No, don't no. He can't come down here. This is this is, this is not, I'm 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 flying under the radar. Down. I don't want dude. Stephen Ross runs this town, man. Owner right. of the Dolphins. You 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 don't want to mess with the Michigan people down here. Though it's it's tough, you know. It uh so I don't I don't want the Ohio State players anywhere near this town. Uh, but they'll find their way down here eventually anyway, especially if they make it to the NFL. But I uh you know, I don't I don't know. I know Harbaugh likes to go uh you know, he took him to Gettysburg, right? We were talking about that a few weeks ago. Which I know is, you were very fond of that. Which first of all, I, I I am fond of that, but I also think it's kind of like a step down. It's one of those things where like you know, you're in high school and then the class trip is like, you know, you're going to like Gatlinburg and then every like, yeah, but the previous year went to Rome. And it's like, oh, well, that's screw me. Then. What, what, what the hell? Like, why do I have to go to Gettysburg and all these other dudes end up going to like meet the Pope? Like, that's not fair. So, no, I would I wouldn't want to go like I think Barcelona would be kick ass. I think that would be an awesome choice. Or, oh, okay, so you're gonna give him an actual vacation? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm gonna. No, I'm going full Harbaugh with it. They need. They need to have an emotional experience on this okay. trip. Is if there's a Toledo War Memorial, I'm getting the whole. <laughs> they lost this game two years in a row. I'm taking the whole team on a bus to the Toledo War Memorial. I'm saying you Ohio boys are going to understand why you're doing this. There this is yeah. our history, and you're going to beat them on the field down. next year for your forefathers. Go to Campbell Hill, which is literally just a hill with a parking lot on top. Um, yeah, man, I, w- I want to go to someplace nice. I, w- I think Barcelona is a great <laughs> combination of history and romance and like you know, in a faraway place, 
I think that would be the place to go. I think that would be sick. Or like the French Riviera, some some place kick ass and cool. Um, you know, some white lotusy kind of place where they can enjoy it and have a good time. I, I will say I did the uh Sagrada Familia, I think. Is that the name of it? The cathedral that's in Barcelona that they're still oh, yeah. constructing. I did I I I I did promise my mom I'm gonna take her back there one day when they finish building it. So I don't know. That was that was like ten or fifteen years ago, so I don't know how fast they've they were supposed to get done with it ten <laughs> years ago. You know, I know, I know now they got to worry about Notre Dame and whatever else over there. Right. So I don't know what that timeline is, but I'm going to get that done. So I don't blame you for wanting to go to Barcelona. Very, very funky architecture over there. I'm sure someone thing. like George Clinton would love it. Oh, of course. I mean, give me, give me a break. It'd be amazing. Uh, next one here is from Evan who says, hey, hope you both had a good Father's Day. I did. Thank you. I went to Hound Dogs. It was great. Uh, in honor of that day, what is a fond or funny memory that you have of your own father or of being a father? Um, you know what? We talked about Gettysburg and, uh, I do one of my, one of my fondest memories was Gettysburg. We, uh, we rolled, uh, over in a car and listened to, um, inappropriate audiobooks on the way over. And that was, that was interesting as a father. Uh, only being pooped on once is probably the biggest highlight I think I've had so far. Of, uh, no, father. No, I'm kidding. No, it's it's. There's all kinds of great stuff. There's all kinds That's of fun impressive. stuff that happens. I'm actually. I, I agree. It is actually pretty impressive. And uh, I was peed on a couple times, but one time, um, out of anger, I think my son tried to pee on me, and he ended up peeing on his own face. So. I hope anyone eating well, while listening to this is just absolutely loving this episode. That would have got to be. No, I mean, I mean, honestly, like it's the little things. I don't, I don't know that I could point to like a specific thing as a dad that I really, really love. It's just like a daily thing where I'm like, there's at least two or three things every day where I'm like, this is freaking awesome. Like this kid is, he's a, he's a fully fledged human being and he's doing really cool stuff. So, um, that's probably the best part. And I will say this, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the Dubcast before. One of the things that people don't tell you about having a kid, specifically a small baby, is that the first month, kids don't emote, aside from crying. Like, they scream and yell and they cry and they eat and they sleep, and yeah. that's it. And I don't think people really fully give first-time parents the... Um, the, the full understanding of what that means, because when you're, you know, when you're just trying to make sure your kid isn't crying for a 15 minute stretch of time, uh, you think that you suck. Like you, you think you're the biggest idiot in the world that you're screwing up your kid, that your kid hates you, that they'll never smile, that they'll never be happy because you've never seen it. They haven't done it yet. And then that first time that they actually look at you and they smile because they recognize you that is a game changer that that totally changes your perspective on everything. And unfortunately it takes about a month to a month and a half to get to that point, <laughs> uh, which is really tough. It's really, really, really hard. Yeah. But then once you get to that point, like I said, every day is filled with at least two or three times where you're like, I can't believe this is, this is this kid. And um, it's pretty awesome, but it does take a minute to get there. And that first month, month and a half is just soul crushing. But that makes the other stuff so much better afterwards, I think. So, well, you're a man of many talents, Johnny. You've uh, you've you've only been pooped on once, and you've never had a cavity. <laughs> well, I've only been pooped on once by him. I, I mean, I can't. <laughs> well, not going to get the whole. Uh, well, let's not uh, let's not go there. Uh, right. As for my father, uh, <laughs> I. Uh, I have a lot of great memories. He, uh, you know, my, both my parents were Ohio state undergrads. So I've been, I've been brainwashed from youth, but my, uh, you know, Chris Lauterbeck wrote a whole thing on father's day on 11 warriors about, um, the roles our father, most of our fathers have had in, um, our Ohio state fandoms. And I, I like, I've been brainwashed from youth and I make that joke to like people when I meet them, especially Michigan fans so that they, they understand that, you know, I didn't, I didn't choose this lifestyle. It was, it, right. it was, you know, part of my nurture process, but I love it all the same. Uh, but my, my father, uh, you know, 
Ohio State grad, very near and dear to my heart, obviously, as you know, fathers are to many of us. And uh, one of the things that I've I've been proud to share with him is music. And one of my fondest memories of him was when I was probably about five years old, and it was one of it was probably one of the very only times I had ever gotten to sit in the front seat with him. And he was always a very, very like, you know, by the rules kind of guy, just in terms of, you know, keeping me safe and making sure that stuff got done. Just kind of always the way it was in our family with everybody. Um, but in this case, I don't know. The energy was different with him that day in a way that it really typically never was, and I didn't. It stood out to me because I was five years old. I was in the front seat. Oh sure, yeah. And I don't know. Uh, you know, are you a Tom Petty fan? Yeah, I like Tom Petty, of course, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Tom Petty was kind of ruined for me because the first Tom Petty song I ever heard was Running Down a Dream. And okay. that's the best. That's my favorite Tom Petty song. It's a great song. Because it was the first one I ever heard. None of the other Tom Petty songs in his catalog sound like that one. That's I'm pretty right. sure it, that was the last hit he ever had. Yeah. Right. Right. So I can't listen to any of his other songs. Because the first one I heard was that one. And that one is like one of my favorite. That That is the best highway rock and roll song of all time. Oh, fantastic. And when the guitar solo at the in the last third of the song kicked in, it was the first time I ever saw my father drive the car with his knees and just put his <laughs> arms up through the window with his child. And my mom is probably terrified listening to this right now. But, you know, this is 25 years ago. Who cares? hands up wheel on the knees air guitar between i think he was it was on the radio and he was like signaling to the other cars what the radio station was so that they could listen to running down with him it was the most if for a man who lives his life by the rules and mitigates risk in order to get what he wants and what his family needs and deserves this guy didn't give a shit pardon my (laughs) french and it was one of my favorite memories i have of my father so uh, dad i love you very much and uh johnny i'm sure you feel the same way about your old man too and i'm sure your son when he looks at you every time now after that first month smiles at you and feels the same way yeah no it's great and uh yeah absolutely (laughs) Definitely shout out to all fathers, all father figures out there. It's 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 a lot of fun uh, taking care of kids, and you know, like I said, with my dad too. Absolutely, love that dude. He's great, and um, you know, there's been one of the things that I think about, like on Father's Day, because we went down. I actually went down to Middletown this weekend, and I got to be with my dad and my brother-in-law, who now has two kids and everything. I'm like, you know, this is this is not a bad gig. This is not something I really like. You know, I, I always wanted to have kids at some point, but it's not something I really thought about too hard. You know what I mean? It wasn't something I'm putting on my vision board and like playing out exactly what I'm going to do, but it's it's pretty awesome. And and be able to see it reflected how I was raised and how I want to raise my kids and all that kind of stuff. I think that's that's cool to see. So like I said, shout out to my dad, shout out to your dad, shout out to all dads and father figures. It's, it's pretty, it's good to recognize them. Uh, last one here. This is from our good friend, Alvin. Um question is i like this one what was your dream car as a kid like i want that maserati this is actually that's not what i said what i said was i thought so i was not really a big car kid i didn't know anything about cars but i thought jeeps were tough and like badass so i just wanted a jeep i just wanted a big jeep like the kind and not like not like the kind that people actually drive but the kind i saw in world war ii uh pictures and and films and stuff I wanted like the the big honk and like run over some Nazis Jeep, like something that you can really mow down, you know, Hitler with. So I, you know, I, I've talked about how I was first a Northwestern fan just because of where I was locally raised before I realized my family was an Ohio State family. Yeah. And uh, when we would drive to Ryan Field and uh, the the basketball arena uh, for you know the football and basketball games. We would pet. We would go through Evanston every time, and there was or like the towns before Evanston, rather from the north side, 
and we would uh, always see this like old World War II Jeep that was parked outside one of the houses. And it was there for probably 15 or 20 years before I think it finally got sold or something. Oh, awesome. But I, I, it instilled the same desire in me to have a Wrangler every time I would see it. And I would never see it anywhere else. And I would just think, I want it. And I'm I'm mad that they they <laughs> they just park it there and they don't actually drive it and I don't understand why they just taunt the public with it on their lawn. It's infuriating, but I was probably gets about you know maybe a third of a mile to the gallon, something like that. But still, it looks awesome. I wanted a Lotus Elise. That's what is what that? I, I have no idea what that is. What is that? <laughs> it's a very obscure uh, car. Lotus Elise. It was, you know what it was? It's like the first car that you unlock in Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. That's what it was, and that's why I wanted it, Johnny. All right. Well, that's a good reason. I'm looking this thing up. That's a sick little car. I like it. There's like two Dubcast listeners that just got like, oh my God, he said Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2 on the Dubcast. That's right. You know what? Even better, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Not only do they have the front view of the car, they also have the back view of the car. That is that's a slick looking car. I'm I'm all about that. I'm I'm cool with it. Again, I, I not, don't th- not but cool those from like 2005 though. I think now at this point they're like 20 years old. So yeah, they're yeah they're a little they're they've been around a minute, but still, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it was originally conceived in '94 and first released in '96. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, like it's a very British, it's a very British car, very British high end sports car. I will say, if it is British, I probably want an Ashton Martin instead. Oh, there you go. Um, okay, so that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those questions in. We'll continue answering them. A couple things uh, before we get out, actually, several things to get out uh, before we get out of here. Um, Ohio State, so Phil Steele, you might know Phil Steele, obviously, the guy has his college football magazine. It's kind of at this point the you know, the, the sacred text, I think, of the offseason, names two preseason All-Americans to the first team from Ohio State, six total. Uh, first guy I think everybody could predict, of course, is Marvin Harrison Jr. Second dude, Tommy Eichenberg. Is that surprising to you at all? No. Uh, well, that those two are yeah. first team, no. Harrison, but that obviously. The other ones, there aren't more of them. Yes, it does surprise me that there's only two. Okay, so Emeka, you know, Buka is, is uh, on the second team. Donovan Jackson, offensive line, and then JT Tuomilowau, uh is on the second team as well. Uh, Trayvon Henderson on the third team, which I thought was a little interesting given the fact that, you know, he's obviously extremely limited last year. Um, I would be happy if that's what ends up being the case, if all those guys are worthy of those accolades at the end of the year. I am interested in Tommy Eichenberg getting more attention now that he's had you know a pretty successful year and you know they started doing the whole like Tommy two thumbs thing um I want I'm curious to see what his cachet is nationally when it comes to players that they promote and talk about because you know you see that occasionally with linebackers but it's 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 not usually a guy like Eichenberg who you know, really tries to avoid the spotlight at all costs. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm curious to see how that kind of plays out during the course of the season. I think it'll still be really good. I'm, I'm curious to see if he actually ends up getting All-American honors. By yeah, the but of he's, I mean, he's been a high-profile player now for a bit. I mean, his coming sure. out party was really the Rose Bowl against Utah. Yeah. And that was, we were wondering if he was going to carry over that momentum into the last season. And he obviously ran with it in a way where he thrived in Jim Knowles' system. The thing that surprised, I I think it, I think it's reasonable to expect Tommy to start and finish the season as a starting all American. Um, What I am more surprised about is not seeing JT first team. That is very surprising to me. And that makes me a little bit concerned about where like the expectation is for him relative to where he came in as a recruit. Um, but I still expect him to have a standout season because he's now that Zach Harrison has moved on, I think it's very, very clear that it's his turn to assume the mantle as the next, you know, pass rushing force 
uh, for Ohio State. So I think that he'll fill that role very well. And I would, I think it's reasonable to expect JT to get to a, a first team role by the end of the season as well. So Tua Malau is a really interesting player, I think, because he set expectations so high after that Penn State game, right? Which, you know, people look at that and go, well, then you can replicate that every game, right? You must be able to. You, you did it once. You did it against good competition. Why can't you do it against the like, against the likes of Indiana? And obviously it doesn't work that like that. I mean, you know, guys aren't going to be performing at, you know, an all-elite, all-time level every single game. But the expectations game for that guy is, I think, really, really interesting and in what that's going to look like going into this season. Because some people, you know, when you think defensive line at Ohio State, and you talk about production and you look at the guys that you're going to compare him to, if that's really it, if he's going to be the dude, you know, capital T, capital D, um, then you're looking at a guy like Chase Young and the Bosa's and whatnot, and somebody who can make a similar impact on a game-to-game basis or even a play-to-play basis. I'm not sure that in Knowles' defense or even maybe the top level of his ability that he's going to be necessarily that guy. He doesn't have to be that guy. But I, I don't know. I'm just curious to see what his role is in the defense, what he's able to do, and then in terms of like national accolades, what people expect of him. Because if it really is that Penn State you know, game performance that they think is going to be a week-in, week-out thing, I think they're going to be disappointed. I don't think they're going to see that. But I also think that he has the ability to be an All-American and be a really, really good player for Ohio State. It's just a different role that he's going to play than some of these guys that you know, have come before. I actually don't think that there's a lot of people on a national scale that really remember that performance against Penn State. It's all very entrenched in the minds of Ohio State fans because it was probably the best performance any defensive players has had in school history. But in terms of the national impact it had, I don't think it really resonated on the scale that much in a way that kind of made him a household name. It's people are going to point back and then look at it and go, wow. Oh, he had a game like that. How did I miss that? I think we're going to see that a lot over the course of this year, but I think it's more about the expectation that Larry Johnson has set for this unit rather than uh, anything that JT has set on himself. Cause he came in as the number one overall recruit. He was going to always be, um, having that kind of expectation to have games like that. But when you couple that with having guys like the Bosa brothers and Chase Young come in, and then we saw how Zach Harrison in some ways didn't really satisfy that standard and let fans right. down in some respects while he was here. Now people are hoping that the momentum that was carried over from those earlier guys that went on to thrive in the NFL or at least go high in the draft – you're hoping JT picks that momentum back up for that unit. So I think that's mostly where the expectation is, is just where the year-over-year success has been previously. I think that he's a if there's If the number one overall recruit who had a performance like that last year against Penn State, albeit heavily supported by, uh, you know, our we, we love us some Sean Clifford over here. At <laughs> that's Ohio right. State. Yes, we do. But – I think JT's. If you're talking about a guy that's equipped to carry that torch, that was a stat that was lit by the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, you have to feel good about JT being that guy going forward into this season. That's a great point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, well, a couple other things here. So we got the Carmen's Crew roster set for the basketball tournament. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of this. I think it's kind of fallen off for me in terms of like you know my interest level in part because the, the roster for Carmen's crews kind of shifted around from like some of my favorites when I was younger and in college to more like uh, guys that were related to the program or guys that know guys and whatnot. So it's not quite as um, uh, that connection isn't quite there, I guess the way it was initially. I mean, you've got a bunch of dudes, uh, for example, who never played at Ohio State, right, on, on Carmen's crew. Uh, you still got guys like the Wesson brothers and Keyshawn Woods and CJ Jackson and Kyle Young and all these guys, Aaron Kraft and David Lighty and Debo aren't there anymore. Um, so, you know, if your, you know, emotional connection with this team is from those guys way back in the day, you know, a guy like Willie Buford and Trevor Thompson, okay, that, that may do it for you. But for me, it's a little, 
not quite as engaging as it was, but still, um, I don't know. How do you feel about the tournament overall? Is that something that you get into? I, I would encourage fans to do it. I had been doing it in previous iterations. Um, my, my attention since has, has shifted to other corners of the sports world where I'm probably not going to be able to dedicate the attention that I previously have to this as an Ohio state fan, you, I would encourage you to do it. What I will say is the sentiment right now feels like for a lot of people, it's no craft, no sale. And that kind of stinks <laughs> because there's a lot of fun, you know, former players that are on this team that are worth checking in with. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, there were people that wanted some more of the Aaron craft show. And this was kind of a cute sure. way backdoor way in order to get that. Um, And that's not available anymore. So that's obviously I can understand why some of the appeal is gone. But uh, I would still encourage, I mean, listen, if you're an Ohio State fan that is about supporting Ohio State athletics, this is like, this is effectively Ohio State athletics, just, you know, Ohio State alumni athletics. So give Give them your support in the way that you would any other team within the, uh, you know, university. And also, the other thing I think should be pointed out, I mean, big ups to the basketball tournament for giving us the Elam ending, right? Which is just probably the best possible way to end a basketball game, Um, (laughs) at least in this format. So I'm cool with it. I, you know, again, it's not something I'm as invested in, but I still think it's a fun tournament. It's a fun thing to kind of check out. Uh, Other thing here, this is also basketball related. Bob Huggins uh, has basically he's he's gone from West Virginia. The guy uh, got a DUI. I think he blew something like a, a 0.21 or something like that. 0.210 is blood alcohol level. Uh, you know when he got picked up uh, for DUI. This comes after he had made homophobic comments on the Cincinnati radio show. Uh, not growing great for Huggy Bear, and that was a guy who really, as a basketball coach, kind of defined my childhood uh, and had been doing good things at West Virginia. But clearly, I mean, this is. This is obviously something that he he had to get canned for, particularly after his comments that you know just are not acceptable at all. And um, to do this in the wake of that is 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 pretty freaking bad. So I don't I think he's probably done. I don't think the guy's going to take you know any kind of job elsewhere or even maybe be offered too much. Um, I think this is kind of how it was going to go for for Bob Huggins, unfortunately. And I'm not super surprised that this is uh, how his career ends, honestly. Johnny, how does that song go? Dark and dusty, painted on the sky, misty <laughs> taste of moonshine, oh tear drop in my eye. So you're just saying he's driving down yeah. the road. I get a feeling that I- he's just living up to the song. Is that what you're saying? Oh, he's just trying. Yeah, he's yeah. he's role playing the West Virginia man. Like I, he should have been home yesterday. He shouldn't have been in Pittsburgh at that Taylor Swift concert. What was he doing there? He wasn't at Burger King. Taylor Swift. By the way, he is a West Virginia man. He is from Morgantown. You don't. What is Ryan Day doesn't go to Ann Arbor? Why? Why is Bob Huggins in backyard brawl enemy territory? That's a good point. I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's he. Listen, he said he was at Burger King, and the police said he couldn't explain like how he had like left there or whatever. I right. think he was just rummaging around in the front seat and for that receipt with the, cause they said he had beer cans in the front seat. Yeah. And he was like, I don't want to get out. I was at the Taylor Swift concert. I need to come up with an alibi. And he just grabbed some trash in the front seat and said, Oh, this is where I was. Okay. So this is uh it's unbelievable. He also said that he thought he was in Columbus a few times, apparently is, is what uh, is alleged to have, have gone on. So that's, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, he's, this is a guy who, again, Legendary coach for a long time, but just, I think, undone multiple times by his demons. And I hope that he, he gets better. I hope that he finds a little bit more peace and maybe gets over some of the, you know, the crappy comments, the homophobic comments that he made and, you know, learns from that. But um, in general, you know, it's it's just something that it's, it's wild to see this happen. Um, you know, guys with that much power, that much money, get a freaking Uber, dude. Like, I don't get it. I don't, well... Anyway, so that's that's how that ends. Last thing, though, we're going to end on a positive note. Maxwell Moldovan making the cut at the U.S. Open. 
I don't even play golf. I don't know anything about golf beyond the fact that it's extremely difficult to do. I love seeing an Ohio State player, though, out there making the cut of the U.S. Open, doing things, making moves. You know, unfortunately, not going to, you know, not going to be able to win the tournament or get into the final round. But still, uh, pretty cool that he was able to do that. I thought that was neat. Yeah. Yeah, Max, if you uh, if you ever want to get a run at, for your money at uh, Grand Theft Auto Golf, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm your guy. But uh, in terms of the real thing, I don't know if I could make the cut for the U.S. Open. So that's pretty cool that you did that while you're a junior at Ohio State. So congratulations, sir. Are you a golfer in Georgia? My aunt was a marshal there this weekend, actually. Oh, for real? Yes. What is the what is that? I believe job? I believe she got a picture of uh, Mr. Moldovan while he was uh, out on his. Uh, after his tea time today That's so awesome. i uh i'm awaiting that picture but yeah i think she worked a full shift this weekend so she was excited to do that yeah well good for her good for him uh good for again all dads out there everywhere uh today is father's day so thanks for listening thanks for checking out the dubcast we'll keep updating you and talking about all the great stuff going on in uh, the college football world the college sports world sports in general uh and we'll, we'll see you next week so until then i'm johnny 